Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, the overall theme is should you do this or that? Pay off the mortgage or not, given investment and tax considerations? Should self-employed small business owners contribute to a solo 401k or a traditional IRA? Should they contribute to a solo Roth 401k or contribute to a solo 401k and then do a Roth conversion? And Smitty is about to go on Medicare. Can his wife still contribute to a health savings account or HSA? Will capital gains mess up his modified adjusted gross income and jack up his Medicare premiums? Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes to read the transcript, access all the free financial resources I've got on deck for you, and to send in your money questions. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Uh, we've got a email question here from Sandy from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, hi, Joe, Big Al, and Andy. This is Sandy from North Carolina. No dog, and I drive a 2010 Honda Hyundai Elantra. I began listening to your podcast about six months ago. I've been listening ever since. Well, sorry to hear that, Sandy. <laughs> uh, they're extremely informative and very entertaining, to say the least. Due to today's low interest rate environment, I have a mortgage payoff question for you. I'm close to age 62, recently retired. I'm fortunate enough to have a pension of $65,000 that covers about 80% of my current annual living expenses. Uh, Will the remaining 20% come from my $2 million investment portfolio consisting with the remaining 20% uh, coming from my $2 million investment portfolio consisting of my rollover IRA of $875,000, Roth IRA of $675,000, and a taxable brokerage account of four fifty. dollars Wow. That's a lot. It's a lot of Roth money. It's diversified. I mean, I think, and and she just started listening to us, what, six months ago? Yeah. She already knew the right thing to do though, somehow. I mean, this is, when you look at tax diversification, this is, this is a thing of beauty. This is, yeah, this is a model, right? (laughs) This is the the model of tax diversification. Uh, She's got an asset allocation of 65% in stocks, 35% in bonds. Uh, invested primarily in the Vanguard equity and bond index funds. So, Joe, we could just stop right there and say, um, you know what, Sandy? All good. You're yeah. Good. What, just I, keep, I don't even... keep, keep doing the same thing. I'm not sure what she's going to ask us here. Um, <laughs> okay. Then whenever I decide to file for Social Security, I should be able to um, to more than adequately cover my required living expenses with my pension and Social Security. Uh now that my W-2 income has significantly dropped uh, with the current low interest rate environment that is predicted from the foreseeable future, I'm thinking about paying off my primary home mortgage. My primary home mortgage is a 30-year fix to 3.25%, uh, matures at 23 years, has a balance of $220,000 with a principal interest amount of $1,100 a month. Okay, I'm considering selling some company stock I have accumulated that res- resides in the above taxable account to pay out the mortgage. My original plan was to gradually sell the company stock to pay for Roth conversions over the next several years in a tax efficient manner, as well as a lesson or as lessen the company stock exposure uh, before I eventually filed for Social Security at age 67. The stock value is approximately $300,000, 100K in basis, 200,000 unrealized gains uh, with a 1.7% average annual dividend yield. 
Uh, use the standard tax deduction of $25,000 and can now, after retiring, also deduct my vacation rental property passive losses of $25,000 that I've accumulated for the past several years. I couldn't previously deduct because of my high income. Uh, the significant change in the Fed's future interest rate inflation intentions give me reason to reconsider my original plan. Whew, okay. <laughs> Got it? I do. With that, as a high-level overview... Uh, here's my questions. What are the pros and cons of doing this? What are the investment and tax considerations I should evaluate to determine whether I should pay off my mortgage? Also, we are considering selling or downsizing our primary home in the next two to three years. How should that impact our payoff decision, if at all? Lastly, I've heard a lot about senior citizens, 62 plus, opening a reverse mortgage line of credit to help fund their retirement. What are the pros and cons of a reverse mortgage line of credit strategy to fund retirement? Apologies for being long-winded. Thanks. Yes, that was very long-winded. So let's break this thing down. I think the biggest thing, and we could talk about like the home equity conversion mortgage, the Heckam she's talking about. She wants to pay out the mortgage. It's 3%. Does it matter if she's going to plan on leaving the house or, or, or selling or downsizing in the next couple of years? Um, the biggest thing is that she's given up liquidity, right? So she's going to be losing three or $300,000 or maybe a little bit more depending on the taxes that she pays, right? What, what's the mortgage, $250,000? i am just going to – Yeah, $220,000. i am sorry, $220,000. Yep. So she's going to lose some liquidity because a lot of the money that – she has is in Roth and IRA money, which is good, but she's only got 450 in a brokerage account. So she's going to take half of that money and pay off the mortgage. So right, and, and pay taxes in doing that. Right. right. So is that a good deal or bad deal? Or should she continue to convert her IRA into a Roth and use some of that money for taxes? Should she keep it liquid to provide income so she can draw from you know, a taxable pool, a tax-deferred pool, and a tax-free pool. Um, when should she claim her Social Security benefit? She's thinking 67, but then that's going to cover most of her living expenses, so she won't have to draw anything from this. So what should Sandy do? This is interesting, Al. There's a lot of different angles that we can take this question. Yeah, this is a great question. So there's the mathematical, I guess, maybe the CPA or the accountant you can look at, right, and say this makes sense or doesn't make sense given the numbers, right? Right, yep. But then there's also the emotional aspect of making this decision. You know, I think a lot of people feel less burdened if you don't have a mortgage. It feels good not to have a mortgage and not have that payment over your head or have any type of debt. But financially, does not make sense? Maybe, maybe not. So how do you want to tackle this thing? Well, I've got a lot of thoughts, Joe. So let me let me start. You can chime in when you want to. So the, the first kind of just a throw-in sentence at the very end that they may downsize and sell their home in the next two to three years. If you're going to do that, then you don't need to pay off the mortgage. It's going to get paid off when you sell it. And if you're going to downsize, by definition, that means you're going to use your equity to buy another home. You may not even have another mortgage. So maybe it's a moot point. But let's just say you don't sell. <laughs> let's go down that path for a second. Uh, I really, in this case, don't like the idea of paying off the mortgage, mainly because of a loss of liquidity, just as you mentioned right before the break, Joe, because you got she's got 450000 in brokerage accounts. So right off the bat, you go through half of that to pay off the mortgage, but then 
to get that at that money, you got to sell stocks and pay capital gain taxes. So you're gonna you're gonna end up with with less than half of that. And you still want to do Roth conversions? How are you going to pay the tax on the Roth conversions while you got no mortgage? I know you'll have more income because you don't have the mortgage payment of, of $1,200. Here's how I would look at it if it were me. And I th this is kind of a complicated one, so I kind of gave this some thought, Joe. See what you think. Okay. My thought is if she gets her pension for $65,000, well, she is going to get that. And I, and I want her to delay Social Security. We'll come back to that in a minute. So if you just look at her um, liquid assets, four, that's about two million bucks. So 4% of that is 80,000, just a, a normal draw rate. So that means she could, she could generate about 145,000 of income from her, um, her, her portfolio and her pension. And of course, she's going to have to pay taxes to do that, maybe 20,000 taxes. I, I just said, well, what if the taxes were 25,000? So what if she netted 120? Okay, and she's spending 85. So she's got an extra 30, 35,000 to work with. I would just say, you know what? Divide that by 12 months, add that to the mortgage payment. So now instead of paying $1,200 a month, you pay 4,000 a month. And I ran the math, the whole loan is paid off in 61 months. You keep your liquidity, you can still Roth, do Roth conversions. To me, that's, that's a lot more sensible way to do this. And again, if you're going to sell your house anyway in two, three years, it doesn't even matter. You don't really need to do this. But well, I, here's what she's saying, though. I think initially she's like, all right, well, the interest rate environment sucks. I'm not getting any yield. Um, my dividend yield on my um, stock is 1.75. I, I totally lost her question, so I don't have any details in front of me. I don't know what the hell well, happened. Well, yeah, that's all right. Well, she, right? Yeah, that, way, so, and that, that was part of her comment. Yeah, but she's saying, all right, well, here my mortgage payment is 3%. I'm not getting 3% on cash. I'm not getting 3% on my fixed income, and my dividend yields 1.75. So it makes sense for me to pay it up. So I think she's missing the broader picture as well. So if, if you're looking at... Okay, rate of return. Because you're guaranteed, she's going to guarantee herself a rate of return of 3% if she pays out the mortgage, right? Because if her mortgage is 3%, she's not going to be paying interest at 3%. She's taking the cash and saying, I'm only getting 1.75% on the dividend yield, so I'm going to pay it off and I'm going to make more money that way because I'm going to guarantee myself 3%. So I think in, in some ways that's how she's looking at this, which. Right. I don't, you got to look at the broader picture because as you said, Al, she's got $2 million. People car, uh, car, uh, when you help me Compart out. Compartmentalize. Com yes. Thank you. <laughs> right. It's like, well, this money's for this and this money's for that. And this money's for this, that the other guy was doing that. Right. Well, right. I'm just going to look at my rollover 401k of $1 million, even though he had like $1.8 million in total retirement accounts. Look at your total balance. You have $2 million. Your fixed income is going to be paying your living expenses. You have $800,000 roughly in, in retirement accounts. So when you look at creating income, you don't need a lot of income from the overall portfolio. So does it make sense to say, all right, well, I'm not getting 3% in her mind on the portfolio, so maybe just pay off the mortgage to guarantee the rate? But I think you and I both agree that if you if I look at a total return of the portfolio, if she's, what, 60-40 or 70-30, the total return of the portfolio is going to be a lot more than 3% over the long term. Yeah, she's 65% stocks. And over the long term, you might expect that to be 6%. Yeah, call it 6 So you're ahead of the game by 3%. So you're using the bank's money to make money. 
But then you're looking at, well, no, wait a minute. My bonds in the portfolio are only paying one. Cash is not paying me anything. My dividend yield on this stock is paying me 1.75, but you got to look at the total return. So if I'm looking at this pure arbitrage, no, don't pay off the mortgage because I don't know where you'll ever find a mortgage at 3% or something equivalent to that. You know, 20 years from now, people will probably be paying 12% again. So a 3%, right? That's a pretty good rate. So keep the liquidity because then you're paying a capital gains rate. If you can start selling some of that stock or diversifying from the stock at a 0% capital gain, so if you can keep yourself in that 10 to 12% tax bracket, once you do retire, you can diversify out, not pay any capital gains tax there. You can take a look at a long-term conversion strategy. You've already done a great job of having so much money in the Roth, but slowly keep chipping away at this thing and then still have, because she can pay off the mortgage at any time. She's got the cash to do it. So if she freaks out or gets upset or, you know, hey, the world's coming to an end or whoever, cut the check and pay off the mortgage, right? But for right now, keep that liquidity. Just understand that over the long term, I think you'll be way off uh, financially just by keeping your options um, open. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Joe. And and I would say if if you if you do this for a while, if you want to pre, if you want to pay extra on your mortgage, and then in a few years the mortgage balance is under hundred thousand, go for it. Just pay it off then. So that's what Joe and Al think about Sandy's situation. But what about yours? Your financial needs and goals are probably completely different. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and ask Joe and Al on air to get the fellas to spitball about your retirement plans or to sign up for a free one-on-one financial assessment with a certified financial planner on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. And if your curiosity has peaked, I've also included some free resources on real estate investing and reverse mortgages in the podcast show notes as well. Why not pay it forward and share the show and the resources with someone who might appreciate it? So what, you mean you want me to answer that question, David? Who that was else, my suggestion. Who else to save? That should have been where else to save. What does that mean? No, actually it says how else. How else to save? Yeah, that, that makes sense, Joe. <laughs> to most of us. Trying to throw me under the bus here. What I don't understand what it was that like in the header of a, a of an email and he just signed it, David? No. That, I that's... added that so that you would know what the topic was <laughs> since you're going, these stupid Roth questions, I don't want to do them anymore. How else I, to save? So you didn't that didn't make any sense to you, that little heading. But no, is that the heading or is that the total question? That's, that's what she that's what, what she I wrote. I put as the question for you so that you would have a shorthand version of it. Oh, this Yo so Joe and Andy, and that's the question. That's yes. where we start. <laughs> and that's how he wrote it. He spaced ah, it so that you're at the top. You get top it. billing. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. I'm the idiot here. I apologize, Andy. You Thank do you. such a great job, and confusing me is not very difficult to do. The listeners uh, do their part, and then I just make it worse. Well, yeah, I was like, well, why is there a big space here? I thought that was like another question. So, okay, all right. So David writes in, yo, Joe. Yo, what up, David? And Alan, Andy. Got it. Yo, that, that was an afterthought uh, with a couple spaces, uh, lines in between. Understand. David, you're the man. <laughs> all right. So let's let's get on to David here. Thank you for all your great advice. Quick recap. I'm Mary, 35 years old. Oh, I remember David. Yo, 35 yo. Right? Wasn't that him? 
That's why he said, yo, Joe. This might uh, be somebody else. <laughs> I uh, finally jointly, Maji 210, live in Missouri, no kids, and I drive a very impressive 2012 Kia Optima Hybrid. Ooh, it's white. So he's chilling in Missouri with that little Kia. Uh, my question is, what to do next? I have two investment properties that are returning 7% and 9% respectively. Big Al, that's pretty good numbers there. That's huh? not too bad. We are contributing the max to our 401k plans, 19500 We are, of course, doing backdoor Roth IRAs of $6,000 each because I listened to the backdoor Roth IRA podcast, formerly known as YMYW. That's pretty funny. Uh, we're on an HSA qualified health plan, uh, so we are stashing away the $7,100 for retirement and making extra payments into our primary home mortgage. What's the next tactic I need to learn? My wife works in a major computer company that starts with a D and rhymes with Dell. Not sure if they offer the barn door thingy. Uh, we have no other IRAs and interfere with the barn door conversions. Thanks again for your help. Very cool. All right, David, thanks um, for the question. So well, what should he do? Okay, so he's 35 years old. He's maxing out 401k plans. He's doing the, the backdoor Roths. Wife uh, works with Dell. you got to start saving in a brokerage account, brother. That's what, he, that's what the big boys do. You know, Al and I look at thousands of different cases. And, you know, so many people come in, and, we, and a lot of our clients have millions, but guess where the millions are? It's all in 401k plans. Because it's pretty easy to save there, right? You check a box, and then the money comes from directly from your paycheck, and it goes into your 401k. Um, and then you're doing a good job of saving into the Roth. But where you need to start now is start building up non-qualified assets. Open up a brokerage account. Go to Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab. I don't know, Robinhood. I don't care where you go. And then just start putting it in, you know, depending on what your discretionary income is, on top of all that savings, uh, Start building up the non-qual because then that will give you a lot more flexibility long-term. It's going to be taxed at capital gains rate when you sell it. If you can keep yourself in lower brackets, you know, it's going to be very tax efficient. Um, if you start learning how to like tax loss harvest, you know, then you can really make that, that, that account very tax efficient. We don't, uh, you know what? I'm going to start calling this like the, the non-qual zone. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sick of Roths, but there's other things that people can save in. Right. There's an account. So it first starts with a brokerage firm. So it could be Vanguard. It could be TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, Robinhood, E-Trade, uh, whatever. Right. That's the brokerage account. You start there. The second thing is then you look at what account you want to open up. Is it an IRA? Is it a Roth IRA? Or is it just a brokerage account? All three are good. It's not just Roth. Okay. It's not just Roth, people. And then... You look at, okay, well, I can invest in the same mutual funds. All you Vanguard freaks out there, go to buy them in the brokerage account. Same with your IRA, same with your Roth. You can have three different pools of money. That's where they should go. What do you think, Al? Um, I like that. Uh, David, you're doing a lot of stuff right. I mean, and you've already got, looks like a couple properties that are earning 7 and 9%. That's fantastic. You could buy some more properties. I, I, the, the thing about a brokerage account that I like is 
you have complete flexibility, especially at age 35. So David is doing uh, quite well, uh, David and his wife, and maybe they want to retire early. And let's say they want to retire at 45 or 50 or whatever whatever the age is. If all the money's in a uh, retirement account, then you're 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 stuck a little bit. So if you have the the money in a brokerage account, you've got that flexibility. Plus, if you want to if you want to save in the brokerage account, buy another property later, or upgrade your home or whatever, you've got that flexibility. So so I, I like that too. But I'd also check with um, David's wife's company, which sounds like it's Dell based upon his description. And do they allow uh, post-tax money uh, into the 401k? And then you then they could do the um, mega backdoor Roth. <laughs> Every question. Well, all right, next question. We're not talking about Roths. But he, yeah, but it's that actually is a good plan. So that's why we have to bring it up when appropriate. <laughs> Andy, did you get new glasses? No. no. Same ones as forever. Really? When are you going to get glasses, Joe? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I might need to get them sooner. I was going to mention, if you wanted, uh, Jenny on page nine has a question about CRDs and Roths. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with my boy Jason here from St. Paul, Minnesota. All right. Hey, Joe, Big Al. Love the show. Yep. Kicked Andy out. Nope. <laughs> Poor Andy. Uh, I usually listen when I'm wa uh, when I'm, when I'm out walking in the balmy 30 degrees in Minnesota that has to offer this time of year. Ugh, boy, you Look missed that, the, right? Like Alan Clopine right now. It's 70 degrees here in beautiful Southern California. I got and, my long sleeve shirt on and my vest. Do you, you have a parka on because the heater's <laughs> out in your house? It's a, it's a vest. See, it's not all the way. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we had, we don't have a heater, so it's in the sixties, Joe. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty rough. I I just got back from Hawaii. This I don't get this weather. It's sixty eight degrees in his kitchen, so he's he's got a parka. <laughs> I need to turn on the stove, but the heater not working. <laughs> Oh my God! All right. Um, so let's see here. I usually listen, so he's out there. Um, my wife will make about five thousand dollars working for a friend's business this year, and will receive twenty nine income. So uh, Jason's got a couple questions. Yeah. Would it be better to open a solo four hundred one k and offset the income, or just put it into a regular IRA? I will weigh. Let's be at the end of the show. Yeah, vodka's kicking in. Uh, We only have 6K to contribute to the solo 401k or regular IRA. Which would be better for taxes? To to clarify, I'm not asking about solo 401k versus SEP IRA. I'm asking about a solo 401k versus a regular IRA. Okay, we got it. Thank you, (laughs) Jason. Thanks for the (laughs) clarification there, brother. (laughs) Uh, We we are in the 12% tax bracket. I have a regular W-2 job and contribute to a 401k for a match. So the answer is neither. Do a Roth IRA there you because go. you're in the 12% bracket. Okay. So, yeah, you open up a Roth IRA, put the $6,000, $7,000 of income. Oh, he's probably a little 6, bit 6000 yeah, $6,000. Yeah. Okay. Uh, should we be filing a Schedule C? Uh, she goes to the business and is using all of the business stuff. Can she deduct mileage or anything else? Uh, once she learns more of the business, uh, the plan is next year for her to work from home. Then the home office deduction will kick in. 
so, so yes, um, uh, Jason, your wife should uh, file a Schedule C, whether she has a um, business license or not. That's where it goes. And yes, she can take deductions, mileage certainly. If her office is in her home, anytime she leaves the home to go out on business, it's considered business mileage and deductible. I forget what the business rate is, but something around 50 cents a, a mile at this point, give or take. And home office, yeah, you can take deductions there. That uh, works well as long as you have a business. It does not work well at all if you are if you're an employee. So don't even try it. But if you have your own business and you have an office in the home and it's regularly and exclusively used for the business, go ahead and take that. Maybe you can find some other deductions: a little bit of cell phone, a little bit of computer expense, a little bit of internet, some other things, uh, business magazines, that sort of thing. Yeah. You can take all that as deduction, and and Joe, the I'll just say the reason why um, I, I said Roth is is because they're in the twelve percent bracket. Let's say income picks up and they're a higher bracket, and then they want to. Then we go back to his original question of solo K versus um, IRA. I do the IRA as long as you don't want to give more than 6,000, contribute more than 6,000 because it's simpler. But once you want to contribute more than 6,000, go solo K, you can put up to 19,500 plus the, the business um, profit share as well. So, but if you don't, if you don't, if you only have 6,000, just keep it simple. Just do the regular IRA. Yeah, you know, it, he wasn't talking SEP, too. You, you got that right. Yeah, I did get that. That was very clear. And and by the way, it's the same tax deduction. I don't care whether it's an IRA or or a solo K or a SEP. It's the same tax deduction. But the contribution limit would probably be a little bit different in a SEP because True. She, she couldn't put the full 6K into a SEP. Yeah, she can put 25% in. <laughs> so 25% of five grand is about what? Twelve fifty, something like that. Oh boy! There you go, Skull. Uh, well, maybe next year's the Vikings aren't doing well this year. Thanks. Joe and Big Al, at this point in the conversation, go off on a huge derail about football, which you can hear at the very end of this episode, if you so desire, along with a few other derails. In the meantime, how about some stuff that's more relevant to this discussion about self-employed small business owners and saving for retirement? You can learn five mistakes that small business owners make and how to avoid them, and you can read our guide to small business tax filing. Both are in the podcast show notes, and you can access them by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there we got our um, regular bruce from joyzy writes in once again al I think. seems like uh, what every show every show every other show, every show something like that yep yep he goes hey joe how are you doing maserati quadroporte in blue something like 2008 maybe tan interior that is <laughs> once i finally get one for now i mostly listen at home oh hello there big alan andy it's me again, one of your regulars, as you called it. Of course, others may simply say cheapskate for getting free information instead of paying for your services. Well, at least you said that, Bruce. You know, we do like to answer questions, but once a week is kind of getting a little rich. <laughs> we, we probably should have a limit. Like, once you ask, like, three or four questions. Once we know your name and, like, oh, yeah, Bruce. <laughs> right? Right. Um, so he writes on, he goes, you've heard it before. Uh, the more you learn, the more you know. The more you know, the more you don't know. Well, I thought I was at that point where I thought I got it all figured out. But since I love your show, I listen to more and more. Then scenarios from that intertwine in confuses the original plan. 
We live beyond our means. So does that mean he lives more than he is bringing in? <laughs> That's what it implies. I think he meant it the other way. I think so, too. I think he meant we live below our means. Yes. We don't live beyond our means. I think that's what he meant. Got it. Uh, We live beyond our means, uh, but still enjoy some traveling. Uh, We're okay not earning a lot, less than $100,000, if it means not needing to work full time. You might think we're old or rich, but we're only in our 40s with a little savings. We plan to pay off our house, are only dead in five to eight years or sooner. We will both contribute $6,000 each to the Roth IRA. I'll contribute up to 20% pre-tax in my business income to my solo 401k, probably around 10k a year as an employer and around $19,000 to my solo Roth 401k as an employee. I was originally doing the SEP IRA and Roth IRA only. Have converted some traditional and probably still have around 20k in traditional that I will leave alone to grow and convert later. Or since there are advantages per YMYW when we have less income. All right. So wait, gosh darn it. I believe you, Joe. Rereading my email just confused the heck out of me. See, I'm not the only one. He's reading his own stuff. And it's still confusing as all get out. People just <laughs> ramble on and they call us ramblers. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't proofread what they wrote. So it, oh. we're, we're just doing our best here. I can't believe I actually got through that. That was pretty good. I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, at the beginning of the show too. I mean, this is this is going to be some show. I can tell already. Wow, I'm, I'm super tight today. <laughs> oh boy, um, I had thought to do the mega back door. Well, the barn door is it, uh, where I usually volunteer. Ha- um, where I where I use voluntary after tax money to fund the solo four hundred one k, and then immediately convert it to the regular Roth IRA, or roll over to a Roth four hundred one k. What is factored in the max of 57K? He's he's just rambling all over the place here. I read some information and also from time to time, catch you guys using terms interchangeably, uh, but you usually catch it and make corrections. It's probably why many listeners keep asking the same questions because it's just darn confusing. Uh, I think it would help gratefully to find out for self-employed people the difference between contributing to a solo Roth 401k and contributing to a solo 401k after tax as opposed to a solo 401k pre-tax, then converting to a regular Roth IRA or rollover to a solo Roth 401k. And whenever we can still contribute directly to the regular Roth IRA of 6K. Alan? <laughs> I'm with you, I think. It, it, it's, it's, it makes no difference, Bruce. It's the same. Just go to the solo Roth 401k because if you're going pre-tax and then just converting them, it's the same tax implications. Yeah, the, the correct, Joe. And, and so if that's the if that's the core question here, then that's right. You you put the money into a solo Roth 401k if you have that ability. That's easy. If you, if you want Roth IRAs, that's easy. So that end of story. Start there. That's nineteen thousand dollars for you. Yeah, but if you if you'd rather if if some people like to contribute to a traditional four hundred one k during the year and then do a Roth conversion at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. and there is a reason why people might want to do that because they want to get the tax deduction just in case they have a big tax year, right? And then they wait to do the conversion when they have a better sense of what the year is going to look like. So for self-employed people with irregular income 
I would do the regular 401k and then do a conversion at, at near year ends when you know what your, if, as long as your income hasn't shot up. I think that's, you know, but but you're creating an extra step. And, and I hate to say stuff like that, Joe, because when you create an extra step, things get forgotten. Right. right? Or, yeah, mistakes happen. Right. So, no, I agree with that. That's a good point. So let's say Bruce, he's self-employed. He's going to go pre-tax $19,000 into the 401k. And then he's also going to do the company match because he's the employee in the employer. He said of another $10,000. So let's say $30,000 goes into the 401k plan and profit sharing, if you will, um, or into his retirement plan as a self-employed individual for the year pre-tax. Then he waits until, all right, this time of year, end of year, December, kind of takes a look and says, you know what? Um, I didn't make as much money as I thought, so I'm going to convert some of this into a Roth IRA, depending on what tax bracket that he's in. Yeah, because year, at year end, you should have a better idea where your finances are. You can make a more informed decision. If you, Joe, if you just if you just start with the Roth 401k, you can't undo that. It just it, it is what it is. Right. right. You get you yeah. There's more optionality if you went pre-tax and then converted, because if you didn't want to do the conversion, you didn't have to. Yeah, that was a big uh, word, Joe. Optionality? What? Is that even a word? I don't know, isn't it? <laughs> I think well, you just made that one up. Well, you, I, have more, you have more options. How about well, that? You, Better? you know, when I know you watch a lot of sports, as I do, and, and it, you, people used to, people used to, like football players used to play tough, and now they call it physicality. And so every word has an ality on it. So I think you just added that to optionality, yes. which I, I like. All right. Okay. My W is coming up with its own language now. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, we're okay putting as much earned income to a Roth since we'll be using our savings around hundred thousand dollars to pay expenses. So he's just jamming every, all of his income, um, into retirement accounts because he's got other cash to pay his expenses. Uh, the very least we plan to have a million dollars, not including the house at full retirement age, plus draw social security for expenses. Of course, there's the argument that paying off a 3% interest home loan is cheap compared to investing in the money um, and uh, putting in index funds that can grow faster. Uh, it had been true for other people, but there will always be the gray cloud that comes up every day. Uh, maybe after paying off the house and getting that stress off our minds, we'll actually start saving some and uh, really doing something else. I'm not, otherwise it's, it's moot. Um, I'm sorry this turned out to be such a novel. Uh, I had to have, the first part, visual, uh, vis visualization for Joe uh, in stroking his ego. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, some banter, some backstory, and, of course, make a Roth question. I realize there's not many questions, but maybe <laughs> some stage comments uh, to our scenario. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Bruce. Uh, hopefully we, we answered your questions, opened up um, some optionality for everyone <laughs> in regards to how they should be saving if they're self-employed. What, uh, let's see, should we go with a little HSA, buddy? You want to talk HSAs? Sure. Or maybe excessive contributions? Up uh, to you, bud. All right. Uh, Smitty, our buddy, writes in, formerly from Roseburg, Oregon. So he moved, Andy? He did. He moved to the Villages, Florida, which is in his next email because there's two from him. Oh, the Villages. What? How old is Smitty? I thought Smitty was, man, he must be, so he retired and he's playing golf in the Villages. So? Says he's, uh, he's, says he he's turn, turning, yeah, turning 65. You know, when my, my picture of Smitty was like 
kind of guy with like a, a, a handlebar mustache. <laughs> You're thinking of Mike Smith, are you? Just slight, slight beer belly with like you know, uh, but very wavy, good-looking hair. Yeah, right. Well, that's, that's my, we got that's, from him. He said something about the bait shack, so he was fishing too. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's 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 a he's a beast. Um, all right, so he goes, hi, Andy, Joe, and Big Al, as always. I really appreciate the time you give me. Yes. Um, I've read that when I turn 65 and join Medicare, uh, he's joining Medicare. It's a club. Yeah. Like Club Club Med, Club, club Medicare. Med. Yep. Uh, then I will no longer be able to contribute to an HSA um, while I'm turning 65 in January and have already signed up for Medicare, so my HSA contribution days are over. But what about my wife? I'm still going to have self-employment income, and so I'm wondering if my non-working wife would be eligible to contribute to our current HSA or maybe open up her own HSA um, account because of my income. My wife is well under the age of 65. See, I told you, Schmitty, just killing the game. (laughs) He's moving down to the villages. How old's Schmitty's wife? 40. Yes? Yeah, and she wanted to go. She wanted to go to Florida too. So, yeah, she likes the sun. Yep. Um, my wife is well under the age of sixty-five and would be choo- choosing an HSA eligible health insurance plan if possible. Our taxes are done. Married, finally, jointly. Love the show as always. I don't know anything else. So, can um, can Schmitty's wife do an HSA plan? Uh, yeah, she can. Uh, actually, you don't really you don't have to have earned income to do an HSA plan. So. Contrary to popular belief. So anyone can do an HSA plan that is not part of Medicare, number one. And number two, has a high deductible health insurance plan. Those are the two main requirements to have an HSA. And so she could open up her own. The individual for 2020 is is about $3,500 that you can put in a plan. So, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that would be a good idea as long as she qualifies having the right kind of health insurance plan. Yeah, it, it's just she needs a high deductible health insurance plan. Yeah, and I, I looked that up, Joe, because you know we don't get this question a lot, but you have to have a minimum deductible of $1,400, so you need to be at least $1,400 out of pocket before the benefits kick in, and you have to have a maximum out of uh, pocket 6900 or more. Right, so that's the definition right now in 2020 of an HSA-type plan. Oh, the high deductible insurance plan? Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that helps, Spinning. I don't know. I mean, you, you got to take a look now at with with healthcare. Just what what is the appropriate plan? Is an HSA really worth it? Is that the right plan that you want to go? How often do you go to the doctor? All right. Um, so just make sure that you do your due diligence as you're shopping for your um, insurance. Just because it's a high deductible plan that you can put money pre tax into a savings plan. Not always does that make the right sense, depending on the person. So yeah, I, I agree with that. But if it does make sense for you, it's a great uh, option because not only do you get a tax deduction for putting the money in, but you pull the money out tax free as long as it's used for medical purposes. So it's actually even a little bit better than a Roth because you're getting a tax deduction and tax free benefit. It's a yeah, it's a triple triple stacker. Yeah, triple threat. Got it. Could a large amount of capital gains from investments mess up my modified adjusted gross income in turn increase my monthly Medicare premiums. As always, love the show. Schmitty now living in the villages. Living the dream. So 
is Schmitty's Maji, because he's talking about Irma, is what he's referring to, right? So it, it depends on what your modified adjusted gross income is. It's going to increase your overall Medicare premiums. But he's saying, hey, I got a large capital gains. What's the effect? Yeah, well, the answer is yes. I mean, in other words, when you have larger income, regardless of the source, uh, it it increases your modified adjusted gross income, which in turn creates higher Medicare premiums two years from now. So that's kind of that's how this works. There's always a two year look back in the year that you're in. So he's turning sixty five in January. So his Medicare premiums are not going to go up because they're not going to, if let's say in 2020 is when he had the large capital gains, right? It's going to be 2022 is when the, the, when the Medicare premiums are going to increase because it's a two year look back. That's right. Yep. And, and it's just a one year. I mean, they, they do that, that test every year, depending upon what your modified adjusted gross income. So maybe you got one year where it's kind of high, but then after that, you don't have as many capital gains. It goes back to normal. So there's a few, Exceptions to the rule here, Alan. Um, I don't want to throw you on the spot here, but there, there's there's things that people can do to say, hey, this was a one-time event. Um, please don't increase my Medicare premiums. Uh, so he could potentially try to do that depending on what the capital gain was, but um, he might be hard-pressed to do that. Yeah, and it's you're right, Joe. And it's been a while since I looked at those rules, so I, I forget exactly what things qualify and what don't. But, but I think that's a good point. Just realize that if you have a, a an income situation that's high in one year and not normal, you might be able to get that reversed for purposes of Medicare premiums two years from now. All right, Schmini, congrats on the villages. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 for your free financial assessment. And stick around for the derails. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Hyundai Elantra. Trying to think of what that looks like. Kind of like a Camry, maybe? Yeah. Is it a little sleeker? Yeah, probably right. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know that car that well. Yeah. Anyone that drives a Hyundai is like a hiker. A hiker? Yeah. No, that's that's a Subaru. Yeah, that's that four wheel drive. That goes outdoors. You know, everyone that lives in Colorado drives a Subaru. Oh, there you go. There's that, that's pretty sleek. Oh yeah, that does look like a Camry. Yeah, only maybe maybe a little better. Nope. You were never yeah. a big Viking fan, right? You're no, more of, a, more, more of a college fan. Yeah, I went to the University of Florida, so I'm a Florida Gator fan. But I'm who not did? a big I'm like you football. I mean, football fans in general, I love, but pro football fans are not necessarily my favorite. You look at, if I go to a bar on a Saturday afternoon to watch the Florida Gators play, and I go to the same bar the next day to watch any type of pro football, you get a totally different crew. You do. You get base paint on Sunday, and you get, like, normal, good-looking people on Saturday. <laughs> that could yeah. be biased. That could it, be very it, biased. It could be. But what, so before you went to college, did you have a college team you rooted for? 
Uh, not really. I not really. Like, yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, but like my brother was a huge Viking fan. All my buddies and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, nah, I'm just, I mean, yeah, I'm, I follow them um, to some degree, but I'm I'm not a huge uh, pro football guy. Yeah, I used to love to watch the Chargers when they actually had a decent team and were in San Diego. <laughs> now neither is true. So. Yeah, I mean, I was. Um, I guess I met Tommy Kramer once. It was a hell of a guy. He was a little buzzed when I <laughs> when I met him. Because I forget some charity tournament or something like that. I, I met uh, Neil Lomax. Really? Was yeah, I remember buzzed? him. You well, he bought do? he bought me a beer. All right. You remember him on my fiftieth birthday? <laughs> that was i know we gotta wrap it up but i was talking with him for tw- 10 minutes before i realized who he was yeah who he was i had to after when he went and got me a beer that um i, I had to turn around to the the guys behind me and said do you know who that is and they said yeah neil lomax idiot <laughs> okay football got it okay thank you thank you for that <laughs> yeah we determined that's florida right yeah i wonder if schmini's got a golf cart <laughs> probably I mean, if your name was Smitty and you lived in Florida, you'd get a golf cart, right? Guaranteed. I mean, especially the villages. If I lived in the... I'm going to live in the villages. I'm going to be Smitty's name. You're going to live in your golf cart. I, lo- I would love that. All right, Smitty, you got you to gotta hang in there. Joe will join in about 20 years. <laughs> might be 20 days. <laughs> All right, Smitty. Congrats on the villages and the new golf cart, hopefully. Um, if you did get a golf cart, write in and let me know what you got. Yeah, what color? Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm in. I might be in the, you know, the market for a golf cart. <laughs> what color would you want? I'm uh, black or silver. Black or silver? Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's that, that's like the Oakland Raiders. Do golf carts actually have makes and models? I mean, yes. can you get like a Maserati Quattroporte golf cart? No. Okay. You can get a. I looked. I was playing golf in uh, Palma Valley last weekend. And for those of you that don't know Palma Valley, it's a little secret gem of Southern California. And uh, <clears throat> this, um, I saw the coolest golf cart I, I think I've ever saw in my life. And I looked it up, and it was actually like a $70,000 golf cart. 70. Seven wow. gra- 70 grand. Jeez, that's more than I paid for my car. So, um, yeah. So you could, you could go pretty high end, I guess. I guess cars, so. Wow. You know? Um, I bet Schmitty's got one of 